Warmly welcome to listen to WDBE Talks, the podcast for the world of digital built environment. We invite you on a physical and virtual journey from Tallinn to Helsinki in September 2023. This year, we will take a deep dive into climate tech with our keynote speakers. Hello and welcome to another episode of WDBE Talks. My name is Arni Heiskanen and I have on the line Marcia Bolpani. Head of BIM International, Associate Director at MAZE. Our topic today is building information management across the life cycle of construction projects. Marcia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start with your background and how you became interested in building information modeling. Sure. So I'm a building engineer by background. I studied in Italy at the University of Brescia. This is my hometown. If you've never been, please visit. Also, this year is the capital of culture, so a lot of activities. And I discovered building information modeling at the university more than 10 years ago, uh, thanks to my professor, Angelo Ciribini, that probably some of you knows. He has been a pioneer in adopting BIM in Italy, but also across, uh, let's say, internationally. Um, and uh, I did a, a master thesis um, in Finland, actually, at VTT with uh, Christina Sulankivin and Marco Kiviniemi, that at the time were both working uh, there. And I consider them a little bit of my mom and dad uh, for being because really helped me to start with this with this topic. And uh, and the thesis was uh, related to the use of building information modeling for the public sector. Yes, and and you were also at the uh, BIM Summer School where I I met you for the first time. Yeah, a few few years later, because then I did a PhD at Politecnico di Milano as part of my PhD. I also participated in a summer school. You have a very good memory. Yes, that was in Helsinki. Now you are at MACE. Can you tell us about your current position and how you advance digital transformation as a leader and influencer? Yeah, sure. So MACE is an international construction and consultancy company working uh, also on operation and development. And uh, they, as MACE, we did a different project, iconic projects such as the London Eye, uh, the Charfermanso Piano, also the city of Tottenham and many others. And as a uh, head of BIM International, I support international clients in implementing building information modeling uh, and also to start or to further develop their uh, journey in implementing digital transformation. So both of the clients are in the private or in the public sector in across different industries. And also as part of my role internationally, what is really interesting is also to see the maturity in different countries. Because some countries are more advanced and they started many years ago. Other instead are at the beginning of their journey. So. It's really interesting to see this different maturity. And also I contribute uh, to the standardization work on building information modeling at European level, at international level. The construction sector faces enormous challenges uh, as it eventually must become carbon neutral. Uh, and information management, of course, across the life cycle of a, of a built asset plays a, a vital role in this transformation. But uh, where are we in terms of data standardization to make information flow and what still needs to be added? 
It's a very good question. I think that, uh, uh, as you say, the data standardization is key uh, because we needed to standardize data so then we can collect and manage information during the entire life cycle to really achieve this uh, uh, net zero and to be carbon neutral. And uh, this standardization really can help uh, to compare, for example, different products, different materials, to understand their transportation impact, uh, their maintenance and repair, and also the life cycle disposal, and, and also they, they perform in general. If we don't have a standardization, really, we cannot compare and we can then we cannot choose the best uh, solution for that particular case. That, of course, there is no, as we know very well, there is not just one solution that is perfect. Always depends on the context, but we need to have these data standardizations and then we can work on the awareness. Because then when we are aware and we have the, the data and the information to make inform, informed choice, then we can then decide which is the most sustainable and then can reduce this uh, uh, neutrality for carbon. I'm very surprised how professionals still don't understand the, re the relevance of data. Probably is the lack of culture in the industry, but also in the uh, academia when we studied. And we focus a lot on producing the physical uh, objects and the physical asset building or infrastructure. And still, we don't understand, even if a lot of work has been done, on the importance of the digital, the cyber, and the link between the cyber and the physical, which is really construction 4.0. So to really do a better, faster and greener society. This is already possible. And uh, so that really need to work on that direction. So you're saying that information is as important um, material as concrete or steel? <laughs> Yeah, and we know we. I think that uh, everyone that is listening now, uh, you already uh, heard about how much data is in your oil, how other industries are really making profit, and they treat data, also our data that we give to them uh, every day, is really key to the understand the behaviors and then to make prediction. You know, most of the time to sell something to us and to make their profit. And instead, in the construction sector, instead, we are still focused on the physical, mainly because it's a type of industry that uh, has been, you know, we really think about the product that, that we use every day that is uh, uh, based on, on physical aspect. But uh, um, the data is and will become more and more important, especially if you think about also the finance and, uh, you know, people that are needed also to support our sector. They understand this and also insurance, for example, they want to have data. So then, uh, you know, um, to have more certainty uh, on investing in our sector. If you talk about the, the, the public sector specifically and, and there are governmental mandates to use BIM uh, in certain countries uh, and the UK being one of them. I have a couple of questions regarding that. So first of all, do we need mandates or can you imagine the construction sector uh, changing itself, reforming itself without these mandates? Yeah, it's, uh, also this one is a very good question. Thank you. So, um, I really so the the short answer is yes, it is possible to let, let's say to innovate the construction sector, especially on the digital, also without uh, the the mandates. And probably the question is that uh, maybe. Are there the same effective, effective, or is the same speed 
um, that, that we can have. But uh, um, uh, if you're familiar or if you're not familiar, actually, um, I really recommend to read uh, two different studies for the same authors that are Dr. Bilal Sukar and Prof. Mohamed Kassem. They did this study in 2015 on macro beam adoption. And also there are some videos in YouTube if you want to read the, the paper, there are very good videos. And, uh, and they, they define different uh, uh, models on how, um, let's say, beam can be, can be used. And there is one in particular that is a diffusion dynamic. Um, and later, two years later, they did a market analysis on how different countries are implementing beam. And just as a summary, there are three different approaches. One is a top-down, so countries such as UK, but also Hong Kong, the United Arab Emirates, Italy, and Spain now, they have a government mandate. So there is a, a top-down approach. So the authority mandate and required beam for public projects, okay? Maybe a different value, uh, but then usually there is a mandate. Then there is another approach that is the middle uh, out, where large organization and industry association push for the adoption of BIM. And so in this uh, case, then other organization then see what the others are doing. Maybe they're having a benefit or they're winning more work. And so they mimic uh, those. And this approach is really common, for example, in, um, in countries such as US, uh, Mexico, Netherlands, and usually it's the most popular one. I think that also, for example, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, in Finland, there are just some large organizations that are asking. There is not a sort of, that is a uh, synapty, uh, but Arnie then correct me if I'm saying something wrong. But, uh, you know, there are some requirements from some large organization, but there is not something from, from the government. Even if I know that also in Finland now, uh, there is um, IFC for the building permit, so that also you are innovating. That is really important uh, change. Um, and then there is the last one, that is the bottom up. So where small organizations start to experiment and to adopt. adopt. So all of, all, it really depends on the on the market and the context. That is not one best option compared to the others. It really depends on the um, market, how it's structured. Um, so then, is, uh, as I said, it's possible to um, large organization implement and then they influence the supply chain and then also influence the, um, let's say, the authorities to make a mandate. And other instead, when there is a more maturity in the market, other instead, they start with the mandate when the industry is not mature yet. So there are very interesting the dynamics and uh, based on the culture of, of the countries, as I said, they can be more or less effective. And um, um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I hope that I answer to this. But now you have uh, several years of, of experience in, in the mandate in the UK. Is it really impacting the quantity or quality as, of as-built information that asset owners receive? once the project is completed? Yeah, uh, for the listener, maybe that they don't know about the mandate. Uh, in 2011, there was uh, a governmental strategy that uh, has been asked uh, um, central uh, government, uh, let's say uh, projects that are centrally funded by the government to um, require the BIM uh, from April 2016. 
Okay, so the mandate starts in April 2016. And then recently there has been a new uh, mandate that is called Information Management uh, um, Mandate in, in, in the UK. Uh, that is something refreshing and reinforcing the message. So since I started working in the UK, I saw really a great change. We would like to see, let's say, quicker change, but we know that our industry is a little bit slower. But um, it's quite exciting for me to see clients that uh, they started maybe their journey uh, 12 years ago, and now with maybe with very simple pilots, and now instead they are leading the way. Um, however, the implementation, even the UK, is still uh, heterogeneous. So there are really a variety. Some organizations are still at the beginning and they contact, for example, us to start their journey. Other instead, they, they have already, as I said, several years of experience and we continue supporting that. One of the reasons maybe why there is so diversity is because there has been a mandate, but there's not been penalties. So what happens if you don't implement it? So this is because, uh, you know, in order to give the time to the industry to implement. This has been uh, trying to promote and encourage uh, public authorities to um, to require this. Um, but at the same time, there are not penalties. So that is maybe is one of the reasons why uh, it's not be as far as all of us we would like to see. Um, but at the same time, usually those organizations arrive to, especially now, uh, Arnie, I think that those organizations, their right adoption of being not just because of the mandate. So it's not a, a compliance and a tick box, but it's just because they want to solve day-to-day -day problems. So they want to reduce costs. They want to reduce carbon. That is a topic of, uh, you know, the, the conference this year. Uh, and uh, it also improves sustainability. They want to increase the value for their communities. They want also to compare different options quicker. And they also to create a golden thread of information to have information also for facility management, also to make their asset more safe. I don't know if you heard about the, the UK, there's been a tragedy regarding to fire with uh, and uh, a new standard, for example, has been published in the UK, BS 8644 uh, Part 1 on digital management or fire safety information. What I want to say is that they want to solve day-to-day -day real problem and then how to solve it, then they come to BIM, because that is the way that they can empower and they can enable them to achieve those, those aims. So it's not just because there is a mandate, then maybe those organizations, they are starting to come to us and as well as other uh, companies uh, in order to start their journey because they want to solve bigger, uh, let's say, problems or situation. Um, so, uh, so do you have any clients who, who would require information about the emissions of a construction project or or data that supports circularity, for example, is there something already there, or and how how do you see it develop in the future? Yeah, I have already clients that are starting as part of their uh, tender material uh, to ask about also. For example, the designer, engineers, construction company, and the supply chain also to provide uh, information regarding um, circularity, carbon emission, and so on. So yes, it's very. Uh, um, I'm very positively surprised that this is becoming, you know, a requirements, a contractual requirements in this case as part of the contract. Um, 
There are different drivers, for example, in the UK is because there is environmental act, the, the, the government has this inspiration to become neutral by 2050 and other countries as well. But the reality is that uh, um, these, uh, in, based on my international experience, this really vary from country to country, organization, organization. Uh, some can, some clients, as I say, is really they ask and they think that it should be nowadays should be normal that architect, engineers, construction company need to provide this, and they're really demanding and really prescriptive. Other clients completely is not on their priority list, and the reason why, as I said, maybe because it's not a topic in their country, it's not a topic in their organization, so there is no culture in the organization. So. Again, the situation is really is really changing, uh, but I see this uh, as an increase in uh, trends. But I think that in this case, there is something that needs to be done more to improve the the culture and the urgency of this topic. Really, the urgency. We are really facing a climate crisis, so it's really about our survival and the construction sector really is is very important impact as as we were saying before. So we really need more talent working on this topic. We need clients asking to be. Uh, intelligent clients, let's say, demanding, and then checking those information, providing reliable data as well. Well, perhaps you already answered my my next question, which was that uh, what are the best strategies for getting this very inhomogeneous industry to use digitalization to become more sustainable? Yeah, I have maybe a few very points to, to add. So how we can use the technology to, to, to make it more sustainable. One is to make it more accessible. At the moment, still, especially for small organizations, they see this as an investment cost that they, they cannot afford. So to make it open, you know, why at the moment everyone is uh, creating their own tool or their own solution? You know, why we cannot, uh, you know, work really to make uh, most of this solution open? Uh, to make it also connected, uh, you know, how many times we complain that we have all these silos of a good application of piece of technology that don't speak to each other. Really, if you want to face these uh, uh, sustainability challenge that we have, it really needs to be connected. So we need to make more interpretable. Um, then another thing is to make it relevant uh, because uh, digital by, by itself, uh, technology by itself is not always positive or useful, you know. Uh, we see this example, for example, on social media and in other, let's say, sector. So uh, there is this topic that um, uh, for me is really important is about the digital minimalism. If you have been reading the, the book of uh, uh, Carla Newport on the digital minimalism, I really recommended you to read that uh, because really the, the technology needs to help to serve something that we deeply value. So again, make the technology for our sector valuable. And the last point that I want to say, the last point that we need to do is to make it accessible. Simplify the user interface. Sometimes it's still too complicated, the, you know, the technology that we have. So really, uh, it's not for everyone. But at the same time, not to oversimplify or to create too much automation that then we created a black box, uh, let's say, approach where then we got, just get the result, but we don't understand all the process, so we don't have the transparency. So it makes user friendly and easy to use, but still to give uh, the, um, the visibility, let's say, of the result for us as a professionals. You're active on many fronts. So as, as you said, and you have got recognition as a female leader. 
some people say that digitalization is helping women uh, build careers in this very male-dominated industry of construction, but others claim that there are no excuses for inequality, regardless of, of technology. So what are your thoughts on this issue? Yeah, I mean, sometimes when I read the statistics, is uh, is quite uh, depressing because, uh, you know, based on, on different reports, uh, still women are 10.9% uh, of the workforce. Uh, and when we think about construction site, it's crazy because it's a uh, one woman every hundred employees, so it's really a minority. Um, I think that uh, uh, the technology, let's say, has been increasing the participation of, of women in the sector uh, for, for different reasons. One is because maybe it gives more flexibility, so you can do hybrid work, you don't need always on the construction site. Uh, and um, even if we know that we need even more women that can uh, are able to uh, code or to use technology that is also we, we are also a minority even in, in the tech sector. Um, but I think that the important thing is really to give this uh, um, visibility and imagination. Um, always I, I give this example uh, and maybe other people already um, heard me say that, but if you close our eyes, and we think about an engineer, for example. Then we think about, uh, a, you know, a white man, you know, in the construction site digging maybe a hole. Yeah. And instead, we need really to change this perspective. And um, so then, uh, women are interested to join this sector. So I hope that's my example, but also the example of many other women working in the industry really can encourage others. Uh, other ladies to start this career because, as we are saying before, um, challenges such as uh, the uh, carbon neutrality, the sustainability in general, we need really a diversity of thoughts. And we know that when we bring different uh, um, point of view, then it's easier to to solve this. So uh, I believe that really the technology is uh, open up more uh, possibilities, also to show that. If you work in the construction, it's not just working on the construction site. Now there are so many possibilities of careers in the construction sector. So then I think that it is showing the variety of opportunities. And there are many uh, other women. Uh, and you know, if, even if you are a man and maybe you have uh, daughters or uh, relatives or also friends that would like to start a career, or continue, it's important to motivate them because really we need everyone to be uh, on the same page. Yeah, so what you're saying, I, I what I hear you saying in general during this discussion is that we need a cultural change and we need to evolve culturally in this, in this sector. So, well, um, as I said, this is a podcast for WDBE and you are going to be a keynote speaker in September. Can you give us a hint of what your keynote will be about? First of all, I'm really looking forward to join the event. Uh, so I have to join all of you. And uh, my keynote uh, will be on information management uh, in the built environment, showing how clients and organization can and should use structured data um, 
during the entire life cycle. So you use and reuse uh, uh, information, moving away from Word and PDF and Excel, but using more an hybrid database approach. And also I would like, and I will close uh, my presentation also speaking about this topic that I mentioned regarding digital minimalism in construction. So how to make it that effective for us and to avoid all the noise that is there, but really to use technology in order to bring value in our industry. So I think that this is an emerging trend. If anyone wants to con connect with you and perhaps uh, have some questions, further questions, what's the best, best way to connect with you? I would be really happy to connect with the listener and to get in touch with you. The best way is to, um, if you're already connecting, connected on LinkedIn. If not, you can raise a request. Uh, is uh, always appreciated. This is a thing that is a general advice. If you connect with someone on LinkedIn to send us a message, it, with phone is more difficult, but with, with the computer, you can add uh, a comment. So then you can introduce yourself, say who you are and why you would like to connect. Because sometimes, again, thinking about the noise, you receive a lot of requests and it's difficult to understand why people, they, they connect. So if, if you send the, the request, but also you send a comment, I think that it will be easier for you to connect, not just with me, but with, with a lot of different experts. And also you can follow me on Twitter as well. Uh, where I post uh, uh, frequently the work about uh, uh, myself. So that these are the two best ways to get in touch with me. So Marcia, thanks a lot for the interview and I'm also looking forward to your keynote. Yeah, thank you very much. See you everyone soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Join us at wdbe.org. Boom, 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 boom,